Today's episode is brought to you by FloatHelm. There are now over 170 float centers using FloatHelm across the US, Canada, Australia, and the UK. And FloatHelm is able to do a lot more than just scheduling float tanks now. You can schedule massage, acupuncture, massage chairs, counseling, uh, cryo, saunas, hyperbaric chambers, light therapy, you name it. They can handle all these different modalities now. It's pretty awesome. They're also adding new features all the time, like being able to generate tasks so that you can make sure your filters are changed every week, bi-weekly, however you want it to happen. Uh, you can customize these recurring tasks to show up for your staff to make sure that the jobs you definitely need to get done, get done. Best part of all, you don't have to take my word for it. Schedule an appointment. You can schedule an interview or you can schedule a tour with them. Jump on Skype and just walk you through everything Helm can do. You can ask them all the questions and make sure it's a right fit for you. Floathelm.com is where you want to go. All right, let's hear that music. Welcome to Art of the Float, where float centers thrive. My name is Dylan, and I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon. This week, I am working 45 hours in the shop on shift. This is Drew. I own New Hampshire Float, and this week, I am working about 96 hours on shift. (laughs) And this is Kim. I'm with the Sukino Float Center in Salt Cave, and I just wrapped up about 62 hours this week. Ugh. This is Gloria Morris, and I own Float 60 River North, Northwest Indiana, and South Loop, and I've worked zero hours on uh, shift this week. Uh, break out the, uh, I hate the torches. For saying uh, it. My I, dream. I hated it when it came out of my mouth, but I'm sorry it's true. Obviously, you're not actually sorry, right? You're living the dream? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, truly. But yes, I'm glad they don't depend on me to yeah. be there. That would be a problem. Yeah. Uh, so we should probably explain ourselves a little bit here. We're, we're talking about, we're talking about retention today, employee retention, um, keeping people on staff, ideally so that when you've been open for a little bit, so you're not the only one working there, they stick around and you don't have to be working as many hours as we seem to all be working. Nobody's working just a few hours. Like Gloria is the exception, of course. Um, Gloria created her business so that she wouldn't be boots on the ground. Started out with a manager, I believe, day one. Isn't that right, Gloria? A director, director. day one, yes. What's the difference? Uh, just the oversight idea that she would be over three locations, whereas a manager is one person over one location, mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah. Understood. So that was the plan from, from day one. That was in your in your director's mind. That was the idea for the future, yeah. yes. Cool. Uh, Drew, how many hours was that? 96? About about ninety six. Yeah, probably even more. I I jokingly say when people say, "Oh, how how much do you work at your shop?" I say all of them. I I work all the hours, and I work when I get home. Um, I spend all my time there. I have clothes there. I've slept there. So I am uh, in the process of kind of trying to get away from that by hiring and yeah. not only hiring, but keeping the employees. Like that's the, that's the key getting to the point where I can leave them and trust that everything will go. Okay. Right. 
Whew, my goodness. Um, so yeah, open to close. You're there. You've got a toothbrush there. You've got change of clothes, all that stuff. The great news is you have showers to choose from. You always have a shower. Uh, you don't have to take, uh, what do they call it? <laughs> Sorry, it's probably offensive, but a French bath, you know, just a little splash in the armpits. Um, <laughs> That's true. I do not have to do that. And it is convenient. It, it is convenient. So everything you need is there, but, um, you know, it does get a little bit, uh, like you're in a cage, you want to get out and see the world and see other people and maybe hear some noise. It's so quiet all day. Oh, hey, hearing a little noise might be nice once in a while. You know? Wow. Yeah. That changed me. The noise thing absolutely changed my whole life where like, I want everything quiet now. I used to always be loud, always have music playing, everything loud. And now I want everything calm and quiet all the time. Kids has changed that a little bit. But, uh, I'm sure. Speaking of kids, Dylan, yeah. I know from having listened to the show, there's been a stretch of time where you haven't exactly been working all these shifts at the <laughs> shop. True. So uh, you, you said you worked like 40 hours this week. How how come? How's that going? How how's that feel? So how long ago was it since you've done that? Yeah, fair, very fair question. Um, I don't remember how long it's been. I mean, like in the past, as, as you know, we've covered on the show before, like I'll fill in for somebody if somebody's sick, last minute, things like that. Like I'll, I'll need to come in and work a shift. And it's good. It keeps me fresh. It keeps me connected with what we're doing. It, I think it's important to stay connected to the business for myself. Uh, but with that being said, um, at least since my first daughter was born, Erica, that was two and a half years ago. And then probably six months before that is when I started getting that nesting feeling and really wanting to be home. That was probably the beginning of, of me really not working there. Although even before that, I wasn't working there much. I mean, it's been a very long time. I see you smirking at me. Uh, that's, that's the, that was what I wanted, you know? Um, with that being said, we got too involved with the family. <laughs> wow, can I really even say that and it be true? Uh, for the business's sake, I was too involved with the family, too disconnected from the business. And we have lost um, some, some of the spark, I would say, with our business. And um, something I was talking about with my wife, the co-owner of the float shop, Sandra, is that um, when people, um, when we're not around for our business, the energy goes down. Like it, it, um, it was actually a really self-empowering thing to learn about myself was that we really encourage our business to thrive by being present there. We have an energy that really gives it momentum. And, um, that's really exciting, um, to, to know, but the downside of that is there's been three years of entropy and not to say that our previous managers haven't done a great job and really helped maintain that for a long time. Um, but it is different than the owners. It just, it just naturally is. So, um, what's been going on is, um, we're doing our best to get back in the game. Um, but it also means, uh, we've had a lot of turnover recently. Uh, our retention has been phenomenal in the past and now it is very, I would say poor. We've kind of gone to the other, other end of that, uh, where we're, we're burning through too many employees and it's not right. So we've really been looking into why that's happening. Um, and in the meantime, I'm working a lot of shifts. And as we've all said, this is just hours on shift. This isn't like the behind the scenes, um, you know, working from home, going through the emails, working on your social media, all that stuff. That's, that's all different. So, um, that's just the, the in-house shifts. Does that answer your question? So I feel the, <laughs> Please, oh, go sorry. Ahead. I feel the need to jump in and defend myself. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you never feel like you have to Because I'm sitting yourself. here and I'm listening and it, it, it makes me feel, um, 
a little bit guilty, but at the same time, you know, I do want to kind of clarify. And you just said, you know, obviously we're doing a lot of things when we're not in the shop, but um, I find myself kind of looking at my life as, you know, I call it the trifecta. When I go into the studios, I've got three to hit, right? So I get in my car, I drive about an hour north, I hit my first location, usually with vinegar in hand in my little truck, my little salt truck. Um, usually a couple of products that I've robbed from Peter to pay Paul with. Um, and so I'm stopping at the first one, kind of checking in, grabbing all the bills that come to that location. And then, you know, I drive south about two miles to my second location. Same thing. I usually pick up a couple things from River North, deliver them to South Loop. Sometimes it's robe, sometimes it's vinegar, sometimes it's H2O2, sometimes it's CBD, sometimes I take some CBD on the way so I don't kill anybody, the two miles of traffic I'm in. And then I kind of breathe, I kind of take it in, and then I head back south again another hour to the third location. So it's, it's kind of a loop, and I do call it the trifecta. Yeah. So to me, yes, when I sit back and say, you know, I'm being strategic and I've kind of taken this philosophy that I learned over the years and I was reinforced at a Tony Robbins conference. And I know I brought Tony Robbins up before, but he has this course business mastery and you're supposed to define, are you a business owner? Or are you business operator? Right. They're two kind of different types of roles. Oftentimes we play both roles, right? I'm definitely more of an owner than the operator. Whereas I think that's the opposite in most cases, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I feel mentally exhausted, right? Yeah. I feel like I've been at all three locations dealing with three different sets of issues. And then certainly like the biggest dynamic, which I know we're going to talk about tonight, is the different culture at each location based on those team members that are working there. It's a different type of uh you know, environment at each one, just a little bit, just based on what issues they're dealing with in the operation. So I don't know, that was my, just wanted to kind of clarify <laughs> that, you know, I'm not sitting around twiddling my sure. thumbs, um, but there's a lot of coordination and dancing between the three locations. Well, can, you, can we use that as a segue to the idea of retention? When you're going to those three different things, you mentioned that that has to do with our subject and in what way with, with each one being a little bit different? So different in the sense that with my first location, there are a lot more problems there because oh. they're the most mature in terms of life in the, in the float center. We've done way more floats there. Therefore, there's a lot of maintenance. There's usually something torn up that somebody's <laughs> fixing. Like, yep. for example, and I'll give you a great antidote for employee retention. My manager, Sean, God bless him, he's in charge of both of my Chicago locations does the maintenance, fixes cool. things. He's amazing. Uh -huh. He is on a paid vacation right now. Okay. So yes, paid cool. vacation. Cool. I do not penalize him for being on vacation because he works so hard. It took everything in me not to call him oh, yesterday no, when, <laughs> when River North went down, our wave rooms went down. We had a power surge and they're all hooked together. So three oh. float tanks went out. So I'm like, don't call Sean. Don't call Sean. Don't call Sean. And I haven't called him yet. And I'm very proud. I got the electrician in today. We changed fuses. I mean, we're doing the best we can. And I'm, I'm on a 
just a mission to fix this damn thing so I don't have to bother him. I want him to be proud of me when he comes back. (laughs) But um, I don't know. Just to my point about the place, the place drives kind of the culture of what's going on with the employees there. They're more frustrated there than the newest location, right? right? Because there's just more shit breaking Mm -hmm. down. Right. Yeah, so I don't know if that that helps. If we can reset just a little bit here, how long has your first float center been open? Three years, two months. Nice. All right. And we've done tw- we've done twenty eight thousand floats <laughs> in that three years there. So it's like dog years, right? It, in in how quickly it goes, or in how quickly it ages? <laughs> Both. Yeah. Yes. 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 Oh, yeah. God. So stuff breaks all the time, you know, it's just, so it wears on the team, right? So what part of my philosophy is in terms of employee, you know, happiness is just trying to get them balanced. And um, certainly like if they want to work the other new location and balance out the being in the same location, you know, I kind of leave that up to them. And we do have people bouncing between both, but we have some who love the first one, right? And just stay there. But yeah, I'm aware of all those things in terms of how it affects the culture. And, uh, you know, you're just forever trying to find balance for them. That is refreshing for me to hear as somebody who who constantly feels a little down on his own center, just because we're coming up on eight years now open before. Like I've said this before, I don't want to say like every episode, but we didn't know that float tanks were soundproofed, you know, like there was no, you couldn't Google how to open a float center like this. There was just so few resources out there. Um, And so we're just pedaling backwards, just trying to, trying to repair things as we go. And we, uh, woof, man. Um, And out of this 1904 building, it's tough. It is tough. Um, So it's really actually refreshing to hear that where I would probably say around year three is when you really start to see the the cracks in your armor. Uh, It's, it's, it's real. Um, So not to say you glossed over it, but vacation time, (laughs) that's got to be pretty nice to offer. Um, So is that earned per hour worked? There's a, a percentage Um, not actually officially. I don't officially offer vacation for everybody, but Sean does so much comp time. We call it, um, you know, I just don't penalize him for when he can't be there because, you know, he's, you just can't quantify some of the work your managers do. Mm. Like if you tried to put a number on your, um, payroll, just like we don't pay them the extra when they work over, you know, a certain amount to not to an extreme, it's the same way for the content in my mind. So I just try to take care of them. Okay. So while there's uh, things like vacation time, sick time that you can um, offer, you can offer things like uh, medical benefits, which is fantastic. There are all sorts of cool things you can add to it. But, you know, one of the things I actually learned was from a food cart that was in our parking lot years ago. There was somebody who wanted uh, an employee who felt like they weren't making enough money and started demanding more or or he was going to walk. And the owner of the food cart said to this person, you know, being part of a small business means there are certain sacrifices. You're not working for a giant company. That means you might not get the same benefits. You might not get the same pay. But what you do get is autonomy. You get to make changes within the company. You get a lot more hands-on, a more visceral experience within the company than with these these giant companies. Uh, that always stuck with me as like, oh, I don't just have to feel bad about what we're offering as we're trying to do more and more and more. Um, but that can actually be 
an asset to our business that people want to be part of somebody's uh, part of part of something with vision and um, that they can actually manipulate is really cool. Dylan, I also think it's important that people like to float. I think that's a huge perk and a huge <laughs> yes. benefit. And yes. that's definitely one of the things I'm always, I only have two rooms right now working on the third, but if someone cancels, mm -hmm. I always offer it up to my employees first. You want to float? And they like, they think it's the coolest thing that nice. they can float while they're at work. You know, they clock out, don't get paid <laughs> nice. for it, but it's a $69 value that they're getting while they're at work. They come out, work for a couple more hours, their day's over. They think that's the best thing. So that's there's awesome. that buy-in of the employees mm -hmm. who like to float and see that as a major benefit to working. I just had a, a, a guy, he was kind of seasonal, but I thought I was going to lose him completely, but he wants to stay on one day a week so that he can float. And maybe, <laughs> maybe next winter he comes back and works more hours if I have them available. But mm -hmm. floating is a big key for him. And he's great. I wish he'd work more, but um, yeah. he's doing his other thing and he's sticking around to float, not to help me out. He wants to float. So um, I definitely think having people who like to do that will help in retention. That's an excellent point, right? Like we own float centers. We're here for a reason. Uh, they should want to be part of that from the get-go. If you're finding somebody who's a never floated before, tries it out, you know, if they're not connecting with that, if that doesn't resonate with them, that is not somebody that you want to have boots on the ground, face being the face of your company. That's a, re that's a really good point. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, and there's all types of benefits, right? Exactly. There's all types of benefits to having them actually float. So if they like it, then everyone kind of wins. And the I have uh, four employees now, and they they all see how hard I work. I'm always there. They get a little glimpse of the behind the scenes stuff because I'm always going in the back room to do my phone calls and the, the other side of things. And they they respect and appreciate how much I'm putting into it. And every now and then I just remind them, hey, this is this is my life, right? And they, I think, kind of get their own motivation to help out. And they know if if they ever need to, to leave me, they're gonna give me a month's notice, not two weeks because I need to plan a little bit more than a regular two weeks. And I, I kind of sat them down, all of them and said, please, this like is important to me. This is a major part of my life. It, this really affects it. And yeah. I think, you know, hiring in the first place, the right people is a, a good way of keeping them, you know, if they buy into the whole, just like you said, small business, they like mm -hmm. the flow. Yeah. The, the funnel of the hiring por portion is I mean, maybe even the most important, if not equal to the retention part. You have to bring somebody in who's going to want to be part of this community. Yeah. Dylan, you had mentioned that you had a good stretch of retention and then recently not so much. So what, what changed from when you felt like you had a good yeah. um, set of employees and now where you've had a lot of turnover? Yeah. Um, you know, I guess... One, one, I'm going to get to the main thing in a second, but just again, speaking of the hiring, I know we already did hiring, but um, in-person interviews, really important. Sit down. What does this person feel like? You know, does this person resonate with me? Because it's not, if I work for a big company, they have to resonate with the business. But when you have a small company, they have to resonate with you because you are the company, you're the business. And so like, it's really hard to, with your first business right out of the gate, create a brand that's different than your soul, right? Like it's, it, it just doesn't work. So they just need to resonate with you really well. Uh, and 
for me, like anybody can learn how to clean. Anybody can pick up the pace on that. Anybody can learn Helm, but can you, how do you interact? How do you handle conversation? That's the most important thing to me. So they have to get through that part. Now, mind you, we had the volunteer program where they would kind of um, get used to our culture, our community, and those people would stick around and then eventually get hired on. And those people have been with us for many, many, many years. It's worked out awesome for us. What I did most recently was hiring through Skype, interviewing from Skype. So I could do it from home. I didn't have to drive 30 minutes, uh, 30 to 50 minutes uh, to my business um, just to do an interview to then turn around and drive back home. That was a mistake. I made poor hires and none of those people are still with us. Um, so uh, back to your, your main question. Um, similar to what I described before, charisma. I'm not saying I'm a very charismatic guy, but there's clearly something about me and something about Sandra that gives people motivation. They want to show up to work. They understand our passion and our belief for what we're delivering to our clients, that it motivates them. Even just having me working on shift and hearing how I talk to people on the phone, how freaking engaged I am with them, how much I, I love uh, the camaraderie, com like just joking with them, but also the heart connection, seeing me immediately pouring a glass of water for somebody as they come down the stairs that pass their float, seeing me sitting for 20 minutes, not to say we should do this every time, but really deep diving with a client after a float where they had a powerful experience. Like that's what I created this space to do. That fills up my cup so much. And it's a great reminder that it can fill up their cup as well. And when I'm out of the shop for three years, that there's that entropy where it all just starts slowing down. It goes away. It's hard. Not everybody creates that and manifests it. And, and maybe you can hire employees that have that passion. Um, but there is something about the owner that you just can't, um, you, you just can't duplicate it. And, uh, they, they have to be, and, and I will say for, for Gloria's her presence there, right? Her presence there to touch base, to hit the wall of questions that happen as soon as you enter your business. And she has to do that three times a day, which she goes, makes her, her trifecta is impressive. Cause boy, that wall of questions is always, uh, just a, just a slap. It's like belly flopping into a pool, you know, back when they had diving boards and pools. Did that answer your question, Drew? Yes, I think so. Um, it, it, but so I'm taking, I'm kind of um, putting my own words to some of this, I think. But okay, please. recently then where you haven't been there, you're, you're saying that things kind of um, yeah, went a little so, bit south as far as that goes. Yeah, exactly. So I think part of it was hiring. Um, I said I did Skype interviews and before that we had managers doing hiring. I don't think a lot of the manager hires were the right choice, to be honest. And we wanted to trust our managers, but I think I should have over, overrode, overrode them uh, to say, nope, this isn't a good fit. We need to find somebody else. Um, I, it rarely works out well when I don't trust my instincts for hiring. Uh, and, and I just get proven that over and over again. But then, but then the other part of that is, so maybe they weren't you know, a passionate floater from the get-go. Maybe they weren't the type of people who like to be connecty with floaters. I mean, that's a piece of it. And then Sandra and I weren't there to, to you know, wave the banner around and, and talk about why we're doing this and watching us connect. Those things just, I, I don't understand it. It's something that I, I, have, I haven't really read anything about how it works. So I'm not an expert in, in how that works, but I know it exists and we make a difference. You know, Dylan, I think a lot of it... Um comes from empowerment. And 
we're in such a unique situation um, as small business owners. Whenever we're thinking about how are we empowering our employees, they're they're running your livelihood while you're not there. <laughs> yep. And it, in order to put somebody in a position to be empowered to run a business like that, it takes so much work. And you know, we we talked a little bit about it before about the hiring process and you know how you've got to be ready for training. And we'll kind of dive into training later, but. Um, I really do think that there's, we often really underestimate how much work we have to to put into really empowering our employees to make decisions on their own, mm-hmm. um, to also be able to identify their own skill sets, and for somebody to be, to be able to walk into the business and say, I love working here, but I'm really good at this thing. Is this thing something that I can offer to the business? And to really look for some opportunities to do that, because I think if you can really hone in on what those individual employees are passionate about doing, that's where you're going to start to really hook some folks in. And it's it's hard to do that if you're not there. Um, and it's hard to do that without a whole lot of forethought and planning. And I think, you know, that's where um, so much of my resistance at the moment to hiring um, employees comes from the fact that I know I'm not ready to turn over those reins yet. And I want to eventually um, but I'll, I'm not ready just yet. So I'm curious, you know, since you all have had those, and especially I know Gloria with with as many employees as you have, I'm sure you've had to really put some thought into what are your employees empowered to do and how does that impact your retention? So I'm glad that you brought this topic up because as I um, do hire and as, as we hire in the studio for all three locations, we try to find a balance of different personalities and part of finding those personalities is probing for the types of things that make them passionate about their jobs, whether they're the jobs in the past. Um, I call it scratching the itch, right? So when I meet employees for the first time, even if we've already hired them, this isn't necessarily part of the hiring process all the time. Um, I think when we do a really good job, it's part of the hiring process. When we've had to rush through and get someone in and put someone on the schedule and rush, we might miss that. But I do make an effort to talk to all the employees and kind of understand what they're doing with their lives. We have a lot of students, so this is a natural conversation. What are you studying? What are you interested in? Um, we've plugged people in, especially on the marketing side. You know, we have a big focus on marketing. So I have my internships that I've offered to existing employees. I've got one person that's worked with me for a year that's like an HR major who I'm creating a whole internship around HR. So I try to incorporate the things that make them excited, right? Whether it's social media, photography, um, gosh, you you name it. We've got some musicians. I haven't quite figured out how to put them into the fold um, in terms of the business. But, you know, even if it's part of having an outing where we go all watch the musician, you know, as part of building the culture in the organization, I think that's offering something. It might not be B2C, but it's B2B type of thing, right? Yeah, um, cool, yeah. Although I would say I would pay extra to have somebody in my room playing a banjo out of my float <laughs> to wake me up, that'd be cool. Well, that sounds I'm like always fit. super proud of the diversity on my team. And again, we kind of look for this, but we have, we have um, a body modification expert. We have a woman who runs a band. We have, like she's the front person to the band. We have a oh, stand-up nice. comic. I mean, this is a benefit of being in a city as vibrant as Chicago, where you've got awesome. these types of people just available to you. But 
I am always <laughs> just so tickled at some of the things people people do. And, you know, we at least talk about them and celebrate them and don't act like that part of their life doesn't exist. We try to celebrate who they are and really just make everybody feel appreciated for those things. So that's kind of part of our retention process, I believe, in addition to all the like tangible stuff that we could talk about too. You know, it's really funny that you say that about the the recognizing the whole person. Um, in my previous life in the corporate world, um, I had a developer who was just in my uh, previous life in the corporate world. I had a developer who was just super passionate about video games. And she was so embarrassed to bring that up in the corporate workplace because, you know, we're all professionals, we're all corporate trainers and, you know, marketing folks and HR people. And um, she, she had mentioned something on a call one day about a new game that was coming out. And then as soon as she did, she kind of backtracked it. I could see her try to shut down. And whenever I asked her about it, she reluctantly told me that she absolutely loves video games. And I told her, you know, that's a huge strength in her position. And as soon as I asked her to talk about that, we started brainstorming, like, how could we bring that into the workplace? How could that be a benefit to her role? And the difference in that woman was night and day. She was so just closed off and really timid and ashamed of who she was outside of the workplace. And then as soon as we just asked that question, we turned the whole thing around and she was then suddenly like telling stories about how this particular game has this kind of a storyline and we can use this in our training modules. And, you know, it brought this whole new skill set to life for her. And so I think that's such a huge piece, Gloria, of recognizing like people are people outside of the workplace and they have... Yeah. yeah, exactly. Especially <laughs> exactly. nerds. Well, speaking of nerds, and I, and yeah. I don't want to beat this down too much because we've really elaborated, but last point, because you, you've stimulated this memory, uh, we had a kid that is in visual development, visual design, um, media, film school from DePaul University. I'll give them a shout out. Go Blue Demons. Um, he actually created a 3D rendering of our Samadhi room that just got published in the magazine we were featured in. They didn't use one real photograph. Just a, well, they actually did. They used a picture of me, which was totally awkward, but there was a little picture of our Samadhi room and I'm so proud of him. He's out in LA now, he's one of the guys that moved on, but I mean, wow, what a gift to be able to give your student employee that exposure, right? So. Hook them in at what they're good at, and yeah. they'll stick around. Mm-hmm. I'd like to point Usually. out that we we've sitting here talking about all the different things that we try to do, and it's kind of going off of interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's not no one not one of us has said money, right? So oh, there is that. I just too. want to point out <laughs> there is that too, definitely, right? Um, that's a yeah. piece of it, but. For a small float center like myself, I can't pay $20 an hour. I, yeah. you know, So there has to be other things that allows people to feel like this is worth it for their sure. time, yeah. right? And these are different things that you can do to, if, you know, pardon my French, but if you're an asshole, people don't want to work for you or they're not going to work hard for you or, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to get a good employee if you're a jerk, right. which, you know, Dylan, you're talking about having that charisma. Well, if you're not doing that, then it's not going to be a happy place to work and you won't have as good of a retention. And Gloria and Kim, you're talking about getting to know people, finding their strengths. Uh, You're not saying 
keep putting a 50 cent raise in front of them every three right. months. Yeah, that kept me at my old job, right? Like uh, the promotions and raises are what kept me working in a stupid Fortune 500 company. Uh, they, they treated people terribly. It was su such a sad place for me to be, but I just kept chasing that money. And, like, just, and I knew I was in that little hamster wheel, but I was like, I'm different. Anyway, I don't want to go on that tangent. But, uh, but, it, but that's that corporate world. For, and that's where Kim was talking about you know, that girl who had a personality and mm. enjoyed video games, mm -hmm. that's, that's not, you know, a focus for a bigger corporate environment versus a smaller float center that, you know, can draw that out of people and, and you will naturally talk about that stuff versus just being another cog in a wheel in the corporate cube. So farm. to me, it's totally a balance of these things um, because... At the end of the shift, these people need to live, and in my case, they need to live in one of the most expensive places in the world to live. Um, so I battle that. Like our minimum wage is going up to like fourteen dollars an hour, our minimum wage. Um, so I have to find things to be able to afford that, and uh, you know, it's it's a scary thing when you have all those salaries on your payroll. Um, our payroll by far is the number one scary thing to me. Like every time the Absolutely. two week tick bomb comes by, I'm like, <laughs> okay, we did it. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's so many other benefits that I, I've tried to build in. And I think it is because I come from the corporate world. So I'm trying to behave like a bigger company. I don't need mm -hmm. to yet, but I'm trying to attract people who value those things. And, and also, you know, you, you want to take care of them. You really want to take care of your employees with as many benefits as you possibly can. Oh, speaking of which, just random things like uh, there's a, a client who is putting on a play. Um, I mean, Portland is, has, uh, you're talking about Chicago, Portland has um, like theaters all over the place. And uh, she just mentioned that. And we said, what, what could we do to support you? And so we're giving free floats for anybody in the play Monday through Wednesdays while they're screening or I don't know if screening nice. is the right word, but the inverse is now our client or excuse me, our employees can go see their show for free. So like the more like little kind of tradey things you can work out, fun things to work out. It just adds this little excitement to, to the shop, you know, to our business. It's fun. Um, can, can I yeah, bring up one other thing? Please, Maybe you're going to go into this. So when we talk about retention, I think the biggest piece that drives retention from my vantage point is communication and setting up systems to keep people interacting and mm. just engaged. I think engagement is key, right? So systems that we put in place that I'm continuing and I'm constantly challenged with this. You can never communicate enough, um, but just getting people to kind of share their stories, help each other, like setting up the infrastructure to do that, I think is a really good investment for float centers, um, whether they use the logbook and Helm, like in our case, we use Helm and we use Slack. Um, I'm going to be probably instituting some other tools, but I feel like the, the more I disappear, right, the more these little pockets of almost, um, I don't know, just dissatisfaction start to brew, right? Because hmm. they're interpreting things that are, ah. you know, going a certain way that may not be realistic, but there's perceptions that become reality. And when you're disengaged, they might think you're not doing anything or whatever the case is. It just kind of feeds 
that potential yeah. for dissatisfaction. So yeah. I just think that's worth talking about when we talk about retention. I feel communication is the number one thing, especially when you have a big team and three locations, right? right. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up. Uh, being able to feel heard. And that's another place where over the past three years, I've dropped the ball um, on responding to emails in a timely fashion. Um, but like you mentioned, Logbook and Helm, uh, we've been interviewing for managers. And um, one of the recommendations this person said was, well, why not have a team meeting, you know, like every Monday morning, which for a lot of businesses is absolutely perfect for us. Depending on the time, there'd be one or two people there to, to be at that meeting, because it's this you know, there's one or two people on shift at any given time, even though you might have eight different employees. So um, Logbook is this great place where you can hand off client stories. You can talk about like, you know, we keep putting the, the earplugs here, but wouldn't it make more sense for the flow for it to be over here and see a dialogue over the course of a week or two to really nail it down? And then it gets added to the crowdsourced um, uh, manual. Um, those things, even if it's not somebody's passion, they can get engaged with those those type of things. Right, right. Um, and just having standards, you know, we're working today, as a matter of fact, one of uh, our people was shadowing one of our locations to try to put some documentation in place because I think dissatisfaction feeds turnover, right? And if you don't have standards in place where the expectations are being measured, mm -hmm. first of all, being communicated and then being sure. measured, you have disgruntled employees, right? Especially because there's always going to be someone so who works harder than the other. And if that person that's not working as hard is noticed by the one that's working harder, mm -hmm. you have dissatisfaction. And that's where I think the whole thing implodes. Um, so those fundamental system things that we need to do to set the standards are critically important. And honestly, we're just scratching the surface. We have so much work to do in this regard. Mm -hmm. Um, it takes a lot of time. So we spent a good four hours today just getting this person almost like an outsider's point of view looking at our operations so that we can set these standards, very specific standards. Go ahead, Kim. And, um, both of you kind of touched on something there that makes me think of transparency, that uh, just having the, the communication and especially Gloria, since you're not there, you know, working the shifts, but you're popping in, you know, to all of your different locations. Um, there's a lot of times the, the assumption that employees will make that if you're not there, you're not working. Um, <laughs> and uh, everybody makes that assumption, the corporate world, the small businesses, all of that. But, um, and actually this came up as a conversation in the Flow Collective the other day that, you know, someone um, was making an assumption about why, uh, the owner did a certain thing. And really, a lot of it is just being really transparent with people and saying, I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Here's why I'm asking you to do this. People want to know that why. Um, but they also want to know, you know, you may not see me this week. Here's what I'm going to be doing mm -hmm. instead. So here's how to reach me or, cool. you know, just to kind of really keep those lines of communication open and be really, really transparent about um, what you're doing, what each person is being expected to do. Um, and all of that, again, goes back to what Drew was saying a moment ago, kind of tying it all back together about interpersonal relationships. The more we use these systems, the more that we're communicating about things, the, the, the better those relationships are with the employees. And all of those things work together just to make people feel really comfortable, really at home and like they're part of something, not just getting a paycheck. 
great. I almost want to go out on that note, Kim. That was so great. <laughs> I just want to mention There's one so more thing. More. Just one. There's only one more thing, Gloria. <laughs> and, and that is, even though this episode is about retention and keeping people on board, we do truly believe that people are not meant to work at the float shop forever. We want to empower them. We want them to be fulfilled. And we want to be a place for people to grow in our space. And it is possible that somebody will want to be with us for 10 years and, and potentially their entire life. That is possible, but that is never our intention. I never want it to be within us to try to hold somebody in place in our business when it's time for them to leave because we really want to be a, a place for empowerment in our space. And I, and I think that was probably true for all of us. Is that yes, <laughs> for sure. Yes. I think you have to be careful about how you deliver the message because it's backfired on me a couple of times like I've said something to that effect to people and then they think oh you don't need me right oh, <laughs> but no it's it's more about no we want you to grow we want you to pursue your passions and if this is a leaping pad for you to do that then that's great we never want to hold you back it's an open relationship you can leave at any time for the right reasons right hopefully you don't leave because you're dissatisfied right. like you're growing all right, guys. Thank you, Gloria. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Drew. Thanks to Brian behind the scenes uh, for setting all this up. Thanks to our Patreon community. Thank you so much for supporting the show. It means a lot to us. There are goodies you can get for your float center by signing up on our Patreon. We are all available for consulting, artofthefloat.com forward slash consulting. If you're interested in helping start your float center or refine some processes, we certainly enjoy it. You can also click on a link to the right of our website on artofthefloat.com for supporting us on Amazon. If you bookmark that link anytime you shop on Amazon, a couple ducats come our way and helps us buy sweet audio equipment. And uh, Kim, thanks again for joining us on tonight's episode and also for taking show notes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I think that's it. Thank you for listening. Truly appreciate your ears and, and giving us your time. And uh, we hope that uh, it helps you in building your float center. Thank you guys. And we'll see you next week. Wait, one more thing before we go. A shout out to Float Away. Our friends at Float Away in the UK. They're in the US now. And they are making incredible float tanks. Float cabin, tranquility, float around. If you want a high-end, beautiful float tank that our people are guaranteed to love, go to floataway.com, check them out and get in contact with everybody at Float Away. They're amazing people. Again, floataway.com is where you want to go. <laughs>